Good morning. Woohoo! I am glad to be here. I am glad to be here. And now three others are. I am glad to be here. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. Okay. Um, last week we started a series on prayer. Uh, once we finish this series, we're going to start a series on hearing from God because this is a two a two way conversation. Okay, uh, but first things first. Let's uh, let's learn how to pray, shall we? Would you stand with me and let's read from Matthew chapter six. This then is how you should pray: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the life that are in your word. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Quicken each one of us, Lord God. Help us to not just hear with our physical ears, but penetrate into our hearts today, Father. Invade our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we looked at uh, some of the don'ts and do's about prayer. Um, quick recap, if you will, don'ts, prayer isn't for show. Uh, and we spent a lot of time last week basically talking about it not being for show to uh, prove to others, like a Christian merit badge, to prove to others how spiritual you are, how godly you are. But it's also not for show to God. I mean, seriously, I think sometimes, uh, and I I believe this actually does enter into my, my, my prayers occasionally. And I always have to go, okay, wait, no, 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 this isn't. I think sometimes I'm kind of praying to God just so he'll know that, you know, yeah, I'm still on your team. I'm, 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 I'm still there. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm one of the good guys. You know, the truth of the matter is he knows what you are. So there's no way to pull any wool over his eyes or anything like that. So prayer isn't for show. And then secondly, uh, prayer doesn't have to be verbose. It doesn't have to be a lot of words. In fact, Jesus, Jesus said, whenever you pray, don't pray like the, like, like the heathen do, because they think that they'll be heard because of their, because of the amount of words that they're, that they're using. Persistence is important. Preponderance of words isn't necessarily important. I think sometimes people, um, people don't pray because they go, you know, I don't really have time to, I don't really have time to pray. I don't really have time to, to, you know, to think about how to put this into God language and, you know, and, and, and take it to God in such a way that he's going to hear. If you've got time to tell a friend what's going on in your life, then you got time to pray because it's basically the same thing. That's, that's what you're doing. And then also, um, in terms of the, terms of the, the don'ts, if you will, prayer can be subverted by wrong motives. Uh, we read the verse last week, James 4, 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, God isn't against us having pleasures. In fact, God is the only one who can enable us to truly enjoy something. The pleasure of sin is for a season. Okay, it lasts for a little while and then it turns, then it turns to dust and ashes. 
But in his presence is the fullness of joy. In his right hand are blessings forevermore. God's, God's pleasure that he puts into our lives is something that is something that doesn't turn sour. It's something to get. My parents used to sing an old song. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And it just, and it is. It, it goes from glory to glory to glory. We're forever changed. Uh, the reason why God isn't always all that keen to give us some of the other pleasures that we want is that we want to take them and use them as a substitute to fill up our lives for the places where he isn't. And so when we do that, that's it's not healthy. You know, if you eat candy all the time and that is the only thing that you eat, you will enjoy it for a little while. And then you'll die. And so God is wanting to take care of our spiritual diet. And, <clears throat> okay, do's. We got to this last week. Do pray. Do ask. James says you don't have because you don't ask. And we talked about the fact last week that oftentimes, you know, we may ask once. Persistence is important. Or we may think, you know, I can, I got this one, God. I can take care of this. And so there are things that we just don't take to God at all. And what we're doing is we're saying, I don't need you in my life here. And so he's saying, ask. And so Jesus taught us how to pray. And the most fundamental issue about prayer, the most fundamental thing about prayer is this. Who am I talking with? That's the most fundamental thing. Now, the proper thing would probably be with whom I'm, uh, with whom am I speaking? But this is Tennessee. I want everyone to understand. <laughs> Who am I talking with? Have you ever had a confusing conversation? Are you happy to be here? This one. I mean, have you ever had a? I'm asking real questions here to real people. Hopefully, have you ever had a confusing conversation? Oh, okay. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I remember 1974. I, I mean, I've had one since then, but 1974, uh, I was living with a guy named uh, Bruce Newman and I were, uh, were uh, roommates. I met Bruce in college and we were roommates and we lived in a, in a little apartment over off of, uh, off of Charlotte Pike out in West Nashville. And, uh, we were doing theater together and, um, uh, and one one evening after I don't know if it was rehearsal or a show or something, but one evening after we did whatever we need to do, a friend of ours, a, a gal named Pam, came over to uh, to see our apartment, to see our new apartment. And we we walk in, and the first thing is, is over on the left. There's a kitchen, and when, uh, oh, on the way over there, we were uh, having a discussion about uh, most actors' favorite topic, which is how can I make enough money to live. That's what, so we were talking about that. And so we walk in and, uh, and she looks at the kitchen. She says, who cooks? And Bruce said, we thought about that, but we don't know how to start. And I said, yeah, and we also might end up in jail. She said, who cooks? He heard write books. I heard become crooks. 
And the conversation got a little fuzzy for a while. Have you ever had one of those? Uh, and it's even worse when you think you're talking to somebody and you're actually talking to somebody else. Yeah, you know, you ever had one of those? Hey, man, how you doing? Especially before, uh, before um, what, what do they call that? Uh, caller ID, yeah. Especially before that. Boy, but does that sound old? Uh, hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. How, how are you? I, I'm well, hey, boy, that was a crazy night last night, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I just called to find out if you if you if you'd call that girl back, girl. You know, have you ever had a conversation where the phrase comes up, "Who is this?" <laughs> yeah, of course you have. The first thing Jesus tells us about prayer is who we're talking to. Our Father, and that's not the way that everyone uh, approaches prayer. Let me uh, let me go to. to well, at least two different ways that sometimes people approach prayer. Uh, sometimes people approach prayer as if it were, as if it were magic, as if it were words spoken into the air somewhere that derive their power to do stuff from the fact that you got the spell right, you used the right words, and you had the right attitude behind it. Uh, you know, I, we, I don't want to get stoned or anything, but for all you Harry Potter fans, uh, you, you know, they would work on the Patronus charm, and they couldn't do it very well at first, but at the, as their confidence built and as their, and as their ability to, to do it grew, they could do bigger and better Patronuses, you know. And, that was, uh, and that's the way some people approach prayer. Yeah, I know, Barbie doesn't know anything about Harry Potter. Uh, that's the way some people approach prayer. It's kind of like, you know, if I, if I can just get the attitude adjusted right and, and say the right words, it will happen. Who are you talking to? I'm a father, and I, I'm, I'm generally very favorably disposed toward my children. Whenever they, and actually they don't come and ask for much anymore. They, but you know, when they, when they, when they're little, they ask for a lot of stuff and then they grow up and become teenagers and ask for more. <laughs> but then they ultimately, you know, have kids of their own and, uh, they don't, they're too busy to ask for things anymore. But uh, occasionally they do. And, I, and I'm generally very well disposed toward them. But, Okay, some, there have been times when I got the sense that maybe I was being played. Maybe I was being manipulated. Hey, you, you go to daddy and you say this and then I'll come in and I'll say this and then he'll do it. This is what he'll do. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like that as a father. And why would we think that God is any different? Our Father in heaven, when we come to him. Uh, Prayer is not a disembodied experience where all we need to do is find the right key and and put it in the right lock and things will happen. Uh, And Christianity, quite frankly, has had this... This kind of mindset for a long, long time, at least Western Christianity has. Back in the, back in the Middle Ages, they would have these, uh, um, uh, relics, holy relics, you know, maybe some s- saint's fingernail or something like that. Uh, but the one that was the most famous was the grail. 
the Holy Grail, the cup of Christ that he used at the Last Supper. And, and the thinking was that if someone could find the Grail, if you possessed the Grail, you could not be defeated. You would get anything you asked for because you had the Grail. And if the right person found the Grail, then peace would come to the whole earth. That's magic. That's not prayer. That's not. And, and then others, others pray this way. Others basically pray to whom it may concern. <laughs> Seriously. This is what I want, and I'm okay with whoever gives it to me as long as I get it. This is good stuff, folks. It's especially pervasive, this type of prayer in, in our current culture, secular and religious culture. We, we basically don't care where it comes from as long as it's what we want. Satan offered to give Eve things that of supposed value, things that she thought were of value. And of course, when, when Satan does that, it's, it's almost, it's virtually always a substitute for something God's already given us. You know, he, he said, if you'll eat this apple, you'll be like God. God had already created them in his own image. But you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. You see, God, when he created them in, in, in his own image, all they knew was good. They didn't necessarily know the evil stuff. Boy, that was really mean of him, wasn't it? No. But it was something that she wanted and Adam wanted too. Let's just put it that way. Hey, guys, it's, it's, not, it's not all on her. And because they accepted what was offered to them, we've all had to pay for it ever since. Everyone who's walked on the face of the earth has had to pay for it ever since. Jesus, Satan came to Jesus and offered him all the kingdoms of this world. All of them. Now, he did say, you do have to bow down and worship me, and that wasn't about to happen. But I'll tell you something. Even if he had just said, you can have them. They're mine. I'm giving them to you. You can have them. Jesus wouldn't have taken them because of who they were coming from. Because of who they were coming If John the Baptist knew this, then surely Jesus knew a person can only receive that which is given to them from above. Everything else is an illusion. Only, only the things that come from, from God are real. Well, let's go into one other thing, one, one other area that I want to touch on before, before I kind of turn this thing around. And, you know, what about praying to the saints or people who've gone before, things like that. And I know that's not a big issue in our camp, but most, much of Christianity this is, this, is, this is where they go. And there's no biblical basis for this practice. The, the official position uh, of the Roman church, and by the way, I'm not a Roman church basher, okay? You know, I'm not one of these people who goes, well, they ain't saved. They're just like us. Some of them are saved and some aren't. And some of us are saved and some aren't. And I don't know because that's not, that's above my pay grade. But I, I do know that people come come to Jesus. So I'm not bashing that, but the position, the official position is that this is no different from asking a living person to pray for you. Yes, it is. And, and not only that, it's not practiced that way. I mean, the, the practice basically is, well, actually, I guess this does, some people 
do go this way with, li- with living people as well. But the practice basically is, okay, you know, I got a broken arm. I need to find a patron saint of broken arms to go and talk to God because God especially listens to this person about broken arms. But, you know, my job uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a contractor. I need to find the patron saint of contractors. You know, no, you don't do that. Uh, it's okay to ask living people to pray for you. People that you're going to have a relationship with. See, my dad, it's a two way street. You know, um, I, I, there'll be times, oftentimes, you know, where people will go, pastor, will you pray for me? Will you pray for such and such and such? And I go, sure, I will. And I, they don't always say it, but usually they're praying for me as well. I mean, Paul Paul asked the Colossians, he asked the Thessalonians, he said, "Don't pray for me." And earlier in the in in the same letters, he was praying for them. So I mean, that's supposed to flow. It's like Barbie was was talking about, you know, in the body of Christ, that's that's how that works. It's that concern, that connection takes place. With people who've gone on to the other side, it's it's not the same. Yes, I mean, you know, we're we're part of the same family. The, the I, I don't uh, the body of Christ. Uh, I, uh, they they haven't left the body of Christ. We're still part of it. But I don't pray for them. You know, and my dad, my dad, uh, he's not been canonized, but I think Saint Harvey. I, I'm I'm fine with with, with saying that because he was a he was a saint of God if ever there was one, uh, and. He he was a, he's the patron saint of pastors of churches in Smyrna. But I've never at any point in time, even in 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 the worst times that I have had pastor, I've never gone. All right, uh, Saint Harvey, uh, you see what's going on, and can you go talk to God about this for me? And I've also never prayed for him. Once he went over to the other side, what am I going to pray? God protect him today. What, what, you know, what, what am I going to say? I mean, he's there. He's there. But you, I can, you know, we can pray for one another here. Uh, but not, but those who have gone on ahead have no more access to God than you do. Jesus did not tell us to pray to an intermediary. He said, when you pray, pray to God. And you, you, you can pray with others. You can pray for one another. But our Father, the writer of Hebrews says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you pray, go directly to the throne of grace with confidence. I'm going to say some more about that in just a second. Jesus said, in that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. See, See, I don't even go, hey, Jesus, will you talk to your dad about what's going on in my life? He is talking. He, he is ever interceding for us, but he doesn't need my advice about what he should pray. He knows it better than I do. He's told me to go directly to the Father. The Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Now, some people may say, well, he was talking to the disciples. Do you love Jesus? Do you believe he came from God? Then he was talking to you. 
because that same because applies to you as well as to them. So he says, go directly to the throne of grace. And if Jesus says we can go straight to the Father, and he does, then who am I to go, uh, yeah, but... We go in Jesus' name. That doesn't mean that, that, that he goes instead of us. That doesn't mean that we, that, we, uh, that we tack a phrase onto the end of our prayers to make it official. It's okay to tack that phrase onto the end of your prayers. Uh, just as a reminder to me, you know, why, why I'm, where the authority is coming from to make this prayer. But it does mean that we go before him clothed in his righteousness. Now, Joel kind of touched on this with the communion thing. Sometimes I know people don't ask God for whatever it is that they need because they go, I've been bad. I'm not worthy. This was, this was a tough week. You know, I did some things. I intentionally did some things, and I know God doesn't like. I know what I'm struggling with in my, in my thoughts at this point in time. So I really can't ask God to do that. But you see, whenever you take, whenever you have that attitude, what you're actually saying is there are times when I am worthy. There are times when I've had a good enough week, when I've been, when I've been a, a good enough person that God ought to hear this prayer. That's not how it works, because you've never been worthy, and I've never been worthy. And yet we are instructed to come boldly before the throne of grace. And the reason we can do that, and this is, this is a paradox, but it, 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 it's a wonderful paradox. We come in a boldness that is born out of humility. It's a boldness that is born out of the understanding that I'm not coming before God because of anything I've done. I'm coming before God because of what Jesus Christ did. I'm coming before God completely clothed in his righteousness. And on the weeks that I've been bad, his righteousness still covers that. On the weeks that I think I've been good, his righteousness still covers that, especially all the stuff that I thought was good that actually wasn't good because I don't know what good is. I want to close with this uh, with this story, uh, true story. Uh, a man named Alan Vincent. Uh, some of you've heard Alan Vincent. He's a, um, a powerful man of God. He, he's still alive. I don't think he's in active ministry anymore. He's quite uh, quite elderly, uh, whatever that is. But uh, he, uh, um, I heard him. A powerful man of God. Powerful teacher. I heard him share this story, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago up in, up in Pittsburgh at uh, Bishop Garlington's church. Um, Alan is from England, and a friend of his had uh, a connection with, uh, a special connection with a, with a certain charitable cause. I, I don't remember what the cause was, but uh, it was something that, you know, he was closely associated with. And he got an appointment to see the Duke of Edinburgh and... Uh, bring this cause before him to see if he would throw his, his influence, his support behind it. Now, the Duke of Edinburgh, uh, for those of you who don't know, happens to be married to the Queen of England. So he's a pretty, he's a pretty big deal. He, he's, he's, he's a pretty important man. And the English are very punctual also. The one nation on the face of the earth that, uh, that is punctual. But if the, if the appointment is at 10, 
it starts at 10. It doesn't start at 10.01. Uh, if the, I wonder how they go to church there. <laughs> anyway, uh, let that sink in. And, uh, and then when it's, so anyway, he had this appointment. He had 15 minutes with the Duke of Edinburgh. And so he arrived early for his appointment. Uh, when the time came, he was ushered into the room uh, of this very important man to be to have this interview with him, and he began to explain to him. He had, he had his he had his presentation all laid out about the the charitable um, cause and what he would like the duke to do. And about two minutes into it, two or three minutes into it, the, the one of the doors just burst open, and this little kid comes running in, going, "Daddy, my my boat is broken." And the Duke, uh, you know, took him uh, and, and, and put him in his lap. And for the next 10 minutes, he tediously helped him to, to fix his boat. And then he set him down and, and put him on his way. And then he turned to Alan's friend and said, uh, I only have three minutes left. I'm very sorry, but uh, that's all I can give you. You are the child. You don't have to make an appointment. Daddy, my boat is broken, and that's broken my heart. That's enough. He has time for you. He will fix it. When you pray, you pray, our Father. Would you stand with me? And with those who are going to uh, pray with people here this morning, uh, come forward. And if you're here and you need prayer, come and pray with these. These people are all alive. And they will pray with you and go with you to the throne of grace. You know, sometimes we just need somebody to go with us. Sometimes we just need somebody to go here. Uh, Let's go together. You may be standing beside somebody that you know needs prayer, and they may need somebody to just take their hand and go, I'll go with you. If you don't need to pray, worship. Create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move today.